You're listening to Customer Experience Analytics, a podcast series from IBM. Good afternoon and welcome everyone. Thank you for joining and listening to today's IBM Customer Experience Analytics podcast. Today we'll be talking about marketing to millennials and I'm really excited to have two millennial experts joining me today. So our first guest is Wes Gay and that is at Wes Gay on Twitter. We also have Sam Klein. She is at Sam Joy K on Twitter. Um, Sam is one of my colleagues here at IBM. So Wes and Sam, thank you guys so much for joining today. Hey, thanks for having me. I'm excited. Having us. Yeah. Awesome. So, Wes, would you like to give our listeners a little bit of background on yourself? Sure. Yeah, I am am 29 years old, so I'm right in the middle of the millennial generation. Uh, I've had some experience in everything from marketing to digital communications to public speaking. And in the last several months, I've been focusing more on millennials. You know, I've seen in my own journey like you two have – there is a a void in uh, developing millennial leaders now because as you guys well know, particularly with IBM, if we don't develop leaders now, then the companies of the future are in big trouble. So I've been working particularly with our with our generation, trying to develop uh, develop leaders through through executive coaching, through some consulting and some other things. Uh, A little bit about just me originally from South Alabama. So if if the folks in New York with IBM and the Northeast are struggling to understand me, I apologize. I currently live in Atlanta, Georgia, uh, one of the greatest places on the planet, by the way. Uh, and I'm married. I got two kids. So when we talk today, when I talk about being a millennial, I'm coming from the perspective of 29 years old, married, two kids. Like my world consists of Mickey Mouse Clubhouse and uh, right now the sound of music because that's my, my two-year-old son's favorite thing in the world. So uh, yeah, that's just a snapshot about me. That's awesome. And Sam, would you love to give yourself an introduction? Thanks again, Katie, for uh, for having both Wes and I here. I'm Sam Klein. I work for IBM. I work in uh, corporate headquarter marketing um, with a focus on the next generation and making IBM as a brand relevant with that next generation of consumers, influencers, potential future employees, um, clients, you name it. Um, and I actually, my, my title um, is, is Next Gen Entrepreneur. Um, so I am trying to innovate um, and act entrepreneurial with in a big company like IBM. So it's a lot of fun for sure um, and have definitely, being a millennial um, myself, but also kind of being maniacally obsessed with the millennial generation and Gen Z as well, um, definitely am am excited to share uh, my learnings on millennials and and thoughts with you guys. But um, one of the things that I I started at IBM before I took on this job as Next Gen Entrepreneur in in CHQ Marketing um, was I actually helped launch um, and create and still help lead um, IBM's first ever um, digital and physical, I guess, community of millennial and millennial-minded individuals at the company. Um, so it is a digital community that lives on our IBM social business product connections, um, which is kind of an internal version of LinkedIn. Um, and we um, are about, we started with four of us. We are now um, about 6,000 strong. We're across 75 plus countries um, and across all industries. So if you ever want to know if there's such thing as a universal millennial, um, that is your answer. I can give it to you from the millennial core itself. Um, It's called the Millennial Corps. It is supported by our most senior leadership, which is fantastic. Um, Kind of launches this random idea and really has grown into something pretty incredible. Um, So yeah, so kind of my side hustle is Millennial Corps, but my my day job is, uh, yeah, CHK Marketing. And and again, really excited to be here. So thanks again. 
Okay, thanks for the introduction, Sam. So as I mentioned earlier, today's topic is marketing to millennials. And I'm really excited to talk about this today because if you haven't caught on already, all of us on the phone are millennials. So this is going to be really interesting to hear straight from the mouths of the target audience that we're discussing today and what is being done in terms of marketing strategies. So what's working, what's not working, and also what brands can be doing differently and need to be start doing right away in order to be successful and profitable with the millennial generation. Studies have shown that the average millennial has an attention span of 11 seconds, so I hope that our podcast listeners today are moderately entertained and informed so that they listen to the entire podcast all the way through the end. So Wes and Sam, are you guys ready? I'm so ready. I'm ready, but I've, I've got a seven-second span. <laughs> seven span, but yes, I'm ready. We're running out of time, Crunchy. <laughs> but for you, for you, I've got, I've got 30 <laughs> minutes. Let's go. Awesome. So a little bit about myself. Um, so I am on the IBM Customer Experience Analytics Portfolio team, and this offering is really about understanding the what and why of how customers are interacting with your brand. So what are customers looking at? Are they comparing items or services? Are they you know, experiencing a struggle on your mobile site that either causes them to drop off and abandon completely or are they jumping to a digital site on your on their desktop so doing some detective work to truly understand individual customer journeys and experiences and what are influencing those across all channels and devices so gaining that insight and customer data really helps drive meaningful customer engagement for example customer a looked at these three hotels and you can hand off that information to your marketing department and say hey let's send them a follow-up email with a discount that really entices them to finalize their trip within 24 hours with that promo code and get them back to the site and finalize their purchase so the what and why helps power personalized marketing tactics that's going to drive loyalty and profit so with that background i think that gives a great segue into our first topic you know, all that data that is out there and available for companies to leverage about their customers, you know, and most consumers are willing to, you know, open up and share more of that personal, that personal information about themselves in hopes to get a more personalized experience in return from some of their favorite brands. So, so Wes and Sam, how are you guys seeing brands engaging millennials different than, differently than other generations? Or do you think, you know, are you thinking that brands are not up to that that level yet and they still you know have some work to do in order to accurately and successfully engage millennials yeah one of the things i think that successful companies do when it comes to marketing to millennials is they identify a particular need and then address it before it becomes a problem for example uh, I live in Atlanta, Georgia. Atlanta, Georgia is home to Chick-fil-A. I know, Sam, you guys just got one in New York City recently. Yeah, we- uh, it is, it's the greatest thing on the planet. But uh, I don't know if you saw, they they had a thing come out of several months ago, and it had already come around here because we're near the corporate office, so it had they had been testing it for a while. But it was a thing called the Mom Valet. Literally, uh, I don't know if you guys have heard of this, but if you're a mom with kids, you go to Chick-fil-A, you pull through the drive-thru, order like normal and tell them you're going to do mom ballet and then they'll actually set up it set your meal up at a table for you inside the restaurant so when you come in with your two kids like if you've got two toddlers or little kids whatever instead of the chaos of being in line they've got everything set up and you just sit down and eat and i think that's one way where it's a brilliant move because it's a marketing tactic that says hey you know what we've identified a need and we're going to meet that before you ever realize it is a need uh, mm-hmm. so they're one of the ones i think is doing really well at, ad- at addressing needs before they become a problem yep 
Yeah, that's, that's brilliant. That's a great idea. That's a great thing too. Yeah, because you know, if they don't do that, you know, and moms who have, you know, whether it's one kid or even more, um, they'll opt to go somewhere else, right? That maybe has mm-hmm. that service, and they wouldn't return back to Chick Fil A. So that's lost sales. So they're creating more more revenue yeah. for themselves by offering, you know, this simple marketing tactic that's going to benefit both both sides of that equation. Mm-hmm. No, that's really smart. So one of the other things that I see is a brand like Birchbox, right? Who are personalizing things from a, an, on, a, on a kind of a mass scale. Um, so when you go onto Birchbox's site, you could take kind of like a, I always say like the 17 magazine type quiz, right? Which one of these lipsticks like would you wear? They give you four shades to choose from. You know, on a, on a Sunday evening, which one of these outfits are you wearing around the house, right? They're like four different types of like sweatpants, outfits, or jeans and a t-shirt. Or, um, and then basically, you know, what, what, you know, which one of these cities would you die to go visit? Um, and then it takes those like 10 different questions and uses a simple algorithm to basically decide who you are as a person. And then they customize all of their marketing, all of their products, everything towards you. Um, so they're really kind of have figured out a way to scale um, customization and it makes you feel like Birchbox knows you they get you they understand you they know what types of products you like they know that you have dry skin and you know and and blonde hair um, and that you like being comfortable on the weekends and and whatnot um, and it's just brilliant not even just marketing, just brilliant everything all around from product design to the merchandising to the marketing. Um, That to me, being able to customize on a massive scale is really, I think, at the heart of of winning with marketing to millennials. Yeah, that's a great example. And um, I don't know if you've seen this, but there's another, a similar company like that, Stitch Fix. um, And they do, um, you know, obviously clothing similar to similar to Birchbox where you get a monthly shipment and they actually I think take it a step further where you can like give access to your your Facebook or your Instagram so that they can see like some of the pictures and you know uh, outfits I that love- you're sharing so that they can actually they really get that sense of who you are like what what uh, outfits you know you're most comfortable in um, to really personalize that box that you get each month yeah Smart. What I always think about is with the, the, I think one of the biggest differences between the generations is that millennials and especially I think Gen Z are willing to trust, trust, go in and trust things and provide their personal information and access to their data. Um, and then until you prove them wrong, right? So you'll yeah. give an app access to your location or your data or stitch fix access to your Facebook or your Twitter. Um, but until you get a to- an offer or something targeted to you that's totally not you, then you're going to delete that app. Um, versus, I think, you know, when my when I check out at the supermarket with my dad and the woman at the cash register asks him for his phone number, he looks at her and he's like, are you absolutely kidding me? <laughs> <laughs> he's like, he's like yeah, he tells them all that he's, uh, he's George from Seinfeld. He gives him as his name. But anyways, um, George Costanza is always his name. Because, <laughs> but, and he's got his token go-to. But point being that I think you're dealing with two different generations that deal with trust and, and you know, Millennials and Gen Z are raised on the internet, right? There's so much out there that the more they can be customized and, and kind of personalized to, they get that that saves all the time of searching and sifting. Whereas these other generations weren't raised on the internet. And so some of them, you know, because they are millennial minded, you know, or, or digital minded, um, they think that way. But for the most part, there's it's a big striking difference that I find between the generations. Yeah. Another thing too, because millennials pioneered the social world, 
uh, social media world, what what I think we've all seen is that everybody's rushed to social to start targeting millennials, but now every generation is hit for Facebook ads or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, but what's been interesting to watch is how I think people are even segmenting on social channels, uh, how the different company, how different major corporations are saying, okay, let's look at how can we target millennials and the and the baby boomers because the reality is they're but we're both on Facebook. The mm-hmm. baby boomer population is massive on Facebook. Uh, Or how do we target on Instagram or whatever? So it's been interesting to watch how all generations, but even the segmented thing. Another thing, too, I've seen uh, that brands do really well to target millennials is use humor appropriately. Um, And they usually do it around big events. So you may see a football, a professional football team tweet about the Grammys, but it's really funny. Or you might see sport, the Sports Center Twitter feed post something about the. I don't know, the Tony Award. I mean, just, yeah. just kind of this cross, just participate because what they're doing is they're participating in the conversation and it's making them make, making them more human to me. It's like, Hey, yeah. I like them. They're funny. They're engaged. They're, they're aware. They're not, uh, they don't lack self-awareness, which a lot of older brands I think tend to do particularly on social. Yeah. I think also with social, right. There's the idea of globalization, right? So we're all, we can know what's going on in Madrid the same time we know what's going on in, you know, in, in, Jerusalem is the same time we know what's going on in New York uh, because we can read it over, you know, our, our, we have friends with everyone on social from around the world. And I think the two things, right, people want to reach, marketers want to reach and brands want to reach as many people as possible. So what are those What are those few things that are actually, you know, global kind of are, are human? Those things are humor, right? So they can reach everybody with humor because that's one characteristic we all share. Um, I think music is huge. Um, if you look at, I mean, I've only seen this study in the U.S., but I would imagine it rings true for every other part of the world. If you look at what the most downloaded um, apps are, mobile apps are, across every generation. Um, Number one, two, or three are always a music-related app. Um, Mm. So Pandora, I think, is number two, except for with one generation where it's number three. But I guess these brands to not only just address millennials, but who is this universal human? It's it's humor, music, cultural moments, like the Grammys or the Oscars or the World Cup or whatever, Olympics. Um, Yeah, and I think, and you're right, humanizing it. Right. Because in the world of social and and digital kind of that physical humanization is that much more important. Um, Mm -hmm. So the more human they can they can uh, appear, the the, the more they're going to be kind of engaged with. Yeah. Yeah. And Katie, you mentioned you talked in your opener about uh, customer analytics and you see a lot of small businesses, online businesses who who study the data and then use marketing automation and this kind of thing. But one thing I think companies who reach particularly millennials really well is they'll do things that don't necessarily have a hard ROI, right? Like Mm -hmm. it's the whole social listening thing. They're watching what people are saying on Twitter. ROI, return on relationship. That's the teacher. One of my favorite stories a few years ago, Morton Steakhouse, I I don't know if you guys read this. A guy tweeted on the plane about how uh, his flight was delayed and he missed it. So they brought the steak to the airport. I mean, it's stuff like that where there's such intrinsic value. And now that guy posted it. And I I remember the story four or five, six years later. Uh, So I do think you see that connecting really well with the millennial generation, too. Can I I tell you a really fun story of mine that I've been kind of posting on Twitter because I asked the Twitter universe to help me with? (laughs) And they did. (laughs) Is I'm obsessed with Mickey Drexler, the CEO of of J.Crew. He's what I come from a retail background. He's just been a hero of mine. So I ran into him. He wrote a, he said I had an ad out that said, like, right, what J.Crew hasn't been doing well. So I wrote an ad that said, you know, tell me what I can be doing better. Send me an email to SB at jcrew.com. So I wrote an email, right? It's like 10 minutes this email I was really proud of sent it to him and I didn't hear back so I ran into him at breakfast 
two weeks ago um, in New York, of course, in New York. That's who you run into <laughs> at breakfast. Um, and I, you know, bowed down to him and I said, you know, you never got back to me in my email. And I really looked up to you and I really, you know, I've read all these authentic stories about you about how you really do reach out to customers. And is like, send me this email from this girl right now. Anyways, long story short, I get a note back from his assistant saying, Mickey's a very busy person. He thanks you for her email. Have a great life or whatever. And I was like, uh-uh. <laughs> so I find, uh-huh. So I, <laughs> so I go into Twitter and I say, like, does anyone have Mickey Drexler's? Per-? He told me in that conversation, here's my personal email. Send it to that one. But I didn't have a pen or paper or anything, so I didn't write it down. So I go into Twitter and I say, hey, does anyone have Mickey Drexler's email? I'm dying. Whatever I tell a little bit about this I get like 25 direct messages in the next hour from people with his email. I'm like, oh my God, this is crazy. So then I send him an email, right? Using, I was like, I thanked all these people. I send him an email and an hour later, I had a voicemail from Mickey Drexler in my, in my voicemail box. And I'm now meeting him for coffee in September. It's freaking crazy, but that's the world we're living in now, right? And that's, talk about a story. Like I'll always shop at J. Crew now. Right, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Good work. Yeah. yeah. Persistence. Yeah. Yeah, but I think you're right, Wes. You know, when you say like building upon that relationship and creating memorable moments with your customers, and it works both ways. Um, You know, you're always going to be loyal to certain brands. And I was just talking earlier to one of my colleagues about um, how I had to get this dress. It was a disc. It was was on discount. I had to get it. I started off on my on my phone. I was trying to check out, and the discount didn't apply. Then I up my tablet all of these devices like within an arm's reach i pick it up on my tablet still not working i had to pull up my laptop i was so annoyed it still wasn't working you must have really loved this dress seriously (laughs) oh oh you'll love the end i've never bought a dress i've never loved the dress that much you'll love the ending of this too so i finally have to call customer service and i look like the biggest idiot because they were like oh that item is not eligible for the the promotion (laughs) but like i never got an error message when i put the discount code so i just thought Mm. it was you know some error but since i had you know purchased from them before they saw me in the system they're like we'll give you the the, um the the discount so i was so excited finally get the dress and it didn't fit and i returned it but (laughs) but oh no yeah so i'm i'm that loyal customer that you know tries really hard when it's you know something that you really want you're going to stick with it and see it through um luckily i called and but a lot of customers don't right they have one bad experience or some issue on the site or you know Mm -hmm. even in store Mm -hmm. and then they're they're telling those negative experiences to everybody else and sharing that yeah 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 yeah, and you and you you're right when you say it right. If you write a negative experience, it's like every person, especially millennials who are very active on social and have a lot of followers, they have a megaphone out to the world, right, to tell them about their bad or good experience. Yes. So it's that much more important, almost, to kind of make sure that they have a positive experience. Unfortunately, people are you know there are all those stats that show people are more much more likely to report or you know talk about or review a negative experience. Rather, than, I try to actually go out of my way to make sure I <laughs> almost only review the positive one. Yeah, um, so those brands deserve it. But uh, but yeah, yeah. And I, on the negative you thing, I think one thing that social media has done with things like Yelp and even just the the Twitter and Facebook and everything else is that it's made companies, and particularly brick and mortar stores, realize that every mm-hmm. single facet of their business is now marketing. Right, like mm-hmm. how things are arranged in the store, how the how the employees are dressed, how they interact, the kind of language they use, every single facet. Because I, we've all read reviews where you see, oh my gosh, that, why did this person, this restaurant has one star, and then you read it like that's the dumbest review I've ever read because mm-hmm. they, they but, because they pick they picked one thing and it's like okay, yeah. in the grand scheme of things, yeah. you're just picking a fight, right? But yeah. the reality is that could also be something that business owner overlooked. It's like you know what, 
that really is a problem. It's not a, it's not this bad, but let's at least address it because now every single facet yeah. of our lives is a marketing thing because mm-hmm. people could leave a negative review for anything now. Right. But the, the best is when I love it when I go to TripAdvisor or Yelp or, and I actually see when someone leaves a negative review, someone from the company actually goes in and says, I'm so sorry that you experienced that. What could we have done to make it better? Or we're going to give you a, you know, like, I'm so yeah. sorry it was a terrible experience for you. Here's a free, you know, wine on us the next time you come to the, hopefully you'll have a better second time around. I think that's so, the personalization and the response, right? Like, again, with your persistence, right? Don't let things lie. Like, if someone has a bad experience, you, you, you have that much more... To, to you know, you, you number one, you have not much to lose because you already lost a lot from you know losing that customer. But but the idea of actually taking the time, I think that that especially with millennials and Gen Z, if you can actually make the time and the effort to reach back out to that person who had a negative experience, nine times out of ten, and don't quote me on that, I'm not a study, but nine <laughs> times out of ten, that person's actually going to go mm-hmm. and tell a fantastic story about you and be your best marketing advocate out there. Yeah. yeah. And I don't think it, it's not always a matter of I want something free or I want you to give me, you know what I mean, something on the house. No, I think not, it's yeah. just, you know, I, I especially, you know, for myself, I just want to share when I have a negative experience. And I always share when I have mm-hmm. a positive one, too, um, because I think those are, you know, always often overlooked. Um, but I'm not looking for anything free. I just want, you know, that company or that brand to know and be aware and to be able to, like, mm-hmm. fix it for somebody else in the future. Mm-hmm. Exactly. That's why exactly. when I've had negative stuff, I've sent like restaurants, I'll just go on their website and email them directly because I don't want to put it all yep. over the internet. Mm-hmm. But I just yep. want to tell the manager, hey, we had this issue. Like we went to an Italian place one time, got it to go. We got home and it was raw chicken in the pasta. Yep. Like that's bad. So mm-hmm. I emailed him. I was like, hey, just FYI, we had raw chicken. And so <laughs> just so you know, this is <laughs> a problem. Do something about that. <laughs> we might yeah. die. Um, and they were very gracious and this, that, and the other, but I didn't want to put it all over the internet because it's just not fair. I mean, we were one, one minor case. It never Mm -hmm, happened again. With a chef that may have just had been having a really terrible day. Yeah. (laughs) But then you also have companies, you know, that we're all familiar with like Uber and Airbnb where there's that two way, you know, um, you know, feedback. Mm -hmm. So, you know, the user of, you know, the, the rider of Uber rates the driver and then vice versa. And I think that's Mm going to be a lot more common where, you know, you're giving feedback on both parties so that, um, you know, that's, that's helping to shape other people down the, down the road as, as well. Yeah, and I think you're even seeing that now in the workplace too, right? With 360 degree reviews, we have IBM, we have the ASAP where you can kind of leave feedback on the go for anyone, whether it's your boss or your peer. Um, and even like, I always talk about this, like kind of in terms of where the, <laughs> I find marketing to be that there's the least marketing is human in, in HR experiences and the kind of workplace hiring experiences, right? How many times have you applied for a job and never heard back um and it's kind of becoming this as marketing as a brand i think that ibm had some sort of study for smarter workforce where it showed like i think it's like 86 percent or something will actually experience with your hiring um so uh, you know mar- again like you're saying everything's turned into marketing even the hiring experience is now kind of a, a marketing job in itself yeah, even Virgin Media came out, was it two weeks ago? Did you see this article? And they're, they're turning recruiting into a $7 million a year business because they realized yeah. that the same thing, people like tens of thousands of people were applying to work there every year, but they were losing six, five to $6 million a year because they were subscribers to their, their uh, mm-hmm. 
their services. But when yeah. people would apply there and they never get anything back, even a, hey, thanks for applying email, they would just huh. drop it. So what they've started doing is they Richard Branson and others said, you know, we're going to make sure everybody who applies with us at least hears something. Hmm. And the expectation okay. is they're going to return those applicants who won't even, I mean, they're not going to get an interview, but they won't, they won't stop paying for the service. So now they've, they've yeah. taken a $6 million loss and turned it into a 6 or $7 uh, million dollar gain uh, a year. Wow. Brilliant. That's awesome. I need to read that article. Yeah, I'll send it to you. Yeah, that's good. Huh, one of my topics. Interesting. Awesome. So let's we're we're gonna we're gonna finish this up um, in a few minutes here. So we're gonna jump into our pardon the interruption um, spoof here. So we're gonna jump into sixty seconds on each of the the next five topics, um, and we're gonna start with Sam, and we're gonna talk about Pinterest. So how do you see Pinterest playing a role in marketing to millennials and engagement in in general? I think that Pinterest, I am personally a huge fan of it. I think that the way Pinterest is going to, I think the way it can take advantage of everything is through um, travel and through food. Um, I think food brands and travel brands have everything to gain through Pinterest. I think our world is, I mean, like, I always like to say nothing's happened in the world if you can't take a photo of it. Um, and Pinterest is the kind of the, the, the perfect example of that. Um, and I think, sorry, I'm going on for longer than 60 seconds, but the other thing about Pinterest I think is really unique to millennials and, and will be to Gen Z or is to Gen Z is that uh, or interests or hobbies. Um, and Pinterest is one of those things that allows you to have a board for art and a board for cooking and a board for cars and a board for music and a board for film and a board for fashion. Um, and it allows you to kind of organize all of your, you know, I think I always like to say my, my mom's passion is being a doctor and gardening and that's where it ends. <laughs> you know? She also can't take a course. She didn't grow up being able to take a course on how to become a DJ with it, you know, learn how to be a DJ within two hours by taking an online course and whatnot. So our generation is one with a million different passions and interests. And I think Pinterest will continue to be relevant. Um, but from a marketing perspective, I think they still need to do some work on the, obviously the monetizing of it, but they're, they're getting there. Mm-hmm. Yep. Awesome. And Wes, you want to tackle Snapchat for us? Uh, yeah. So I think the thing with Snapchat that is probably the game changer in social media is the stories feature because, I mean, Facebook is still the powerhouse in the social space. But when you, but Facebook, if I want to share the events throughout the day, I either have to cr- share a photo album or I have to share a bunch of video clips or I have to piece together a video on my phone by editing it and all this junk. But with Snapchat, the stories thing, it lets people follow a day in the life of whatever. So like I've been following, I've never really cared about Wimbledon, but since I started following IBM on, on Snapchat, Hmm. like, man, Wimbledon is great. And what Mm -hmm. they're, and the stuff they're, the content they're putting out is brilliant. So I think the stories features a game changer. Uh, It allows people to it asks people like me to just bring in what 10 second clips or pictures or whatever and come into behind the scenes and see how it works and watch a day in the life and make it human and mm-hmm. make me see, Hey, there's, let me, let's see what's going on here. And it helps build uh, a, a sense of loyalty and trust. I think better than any other facet of any other social network because of how you can piece together as many as you want over the course of a day. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. One thing I'll add on snap. I just add one thing sure. that I think is really interesting. One of my like theories where I read an article and now it's like my theory, but it's really, really someone else's deal. Like, is that, um, is that we are leaving the information age and have officially entered the experience age. Yes. Which is I was just reading right? this. So, so 
Yes, it's so good. So Facebook status updates, right? When's the last time you guys updated your status? Probably not that recently. So Facebook status updates with the 1.7 billion or 1.6 billion people on Facebook are down 21% in the last year. So what does that mean? No one's typing and sharing their crap anymore. Sorry to see crap. No one's typing and sharing their <laughs> information um, or, or whatever they have to share with the world anymore. Instead, they're showing it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's why Snapchat is increasingly growing in popularity. And well, I think will only grow in popularity. People don't care about what brands have to say anymore they care about what brands have to show yep. um mm-hmm. so it's all about showing not telling and i think it's it's going to be really and i think a lot of brands are stuck in the information age yep. um and they are having a, a a i don't know about rude but an awakening call right now um that they really need to enter the experience age or be left behind yep and this also i think snapchat um you know works well with what i was saying earlier with our 11 second attention span you know really capitalizing on that 10 second video or or screenshot um, yeah. to capture, you know, a lot of a lot of things without saying a lot of words. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, and I want to I want to circle back around to Pinterest real quick and just say uh, to follow up on Samantha's point, if they're going to monetize this thing, they've got to figure out a way to get guys more interested. Because when I, when I hear Pinterest, yeah. I think it's it's lace and burlap and mason jar <laughs> yeah. lights yeah. and wedding pictures. But like I literally I'm on Pinterest because every you know my mom, my wife, my sister are all in there, and I have a board called stuff someone should buy me. So when they get to Christmas or birthdays, they yeah, know what exactly I want. Right. That's it awesome. Exactly right. It's kind of it's kind of our honey my honey do list like house projects and things for the kids and such but at some point exactly. they're going to have they're going to have to engage the guys because you're missing half of the yep. generation. Mm-hmm. Right? You're right. So you're missing However, it. however, the females do make the majority of the purchasing decisions. This is true. <laughs> yes, you're no joke. And you were so right. It is literally, it is like a gift giver's like heaven. And by the way, from a girl's perspective, it's, and now that's the other industry, I forgot the wedding industry. It is massive for the wedding. Every girl has their secret wedding board if they're not married yet, or their wedding boards for their friends that they're helping them plan their wedding. Mm-hmm. And that is, I just, that's like just ripe for the taking. Yeah. No, I agree. And I also find that I'm often searching for things. Like if I need a new recipe or if I'm looking for a quote or just like a gift or something, I'll go to Pinterest before even Googling yeah. something. Yeah. It's become my oh new my Google God. search. Pinterest is you the guys, only social I'm, search engine that exists. It is. It really is. I'm I'm traveling this week in California with my parents. I'm really being hashtag millennial and bombing off my parents' <laughs> travel plans. And I, they keep on being like, I can't, I've literally can't come up with the best like itinerary for us. I do it like in the morning. I plan it, and they're like, "Where are you getting all these ideas and stuff?" And I'm like, "Pinterest. Like yeah. it's all coming from Pinterest. It's That's amazing. Awesome. That's great." Okay, we're going to do one more 60 seconds or we can turn it into three minutes like the rest, last few. Um, so we're going to talk about virtual reality. So whoever wants to kick this one off. I'll start it because Samantha's going to sound smarter than me. But I heard um, <laughs> you guys, you guys, we've all seen the uh, the documentary Super Size Me with Morgan Spurlock about 30 days at yep. McDonald's. Yes. Or whatever. Well, I listened to an interview with him and Tim Ferriss recently, and he talked about virtual reality. And he had a statement that I think is really interesting. Virtual reality has the capacity to, to be what Morgan's, Morgan Spurlock calls an empathy machine. So think mm. about this for a second. I mean, we've all, I mean, virtual reality is cool and, you know, it is what it is. Like there's a, a roller coaster at Six Flags over Georgia now in Atlanta where you put on a headset and ride the coaster. Yeah. Um, but imagine like with what IBM's doing with IBM Health and some of these other initiatives, being able to put on a virtual reality headset and literally in your office in New York or Boston, wherever you are, walk around the room and see what the doctors who are using IBM Health in uh, mm. the, the remote parts of Africa are doing. and Because you can't go be there, mm-hmm. but virtual reality can take you there. Yep. So I think that's one thing. Another concept, I'm going to steal Chick-fil-A again. Um, they have their innovation center here, and they use virtual reality to design new restaurant layouts. 
So they'll put on a headset cool. and have a giant open space, and they'll walk around. And some of their top executives will do it to say, okay, we need to move this here. If we're going to design a new restaurant and a floor wow. plan, let's move it around. Let's change this. Let's do this. I mean, everything from uniforms to cash registers, the whole thing. Uh, hmm. So I think there's there's massive potential. Will, I, will, will it hit the consumer market? For the super geeks, yeah. For the normal person, maybe not as much. But I do think there's great potential for uh, for some commercial use. Yeah. Mm. One of the really interesting things I, I heard was I heard one of the one of the heads of T Studio, so the New York Times um, studio that created a lot of the VR experiences, talk about was that for marketers, it's one of the scariest things in the world because because you literally have no control over where the consumer looks, sees goes right so when you're when you're immersed in in a vr experience you can turn your head either way up down to left very concept to marketers because you literally have no control of the consumer um i never really thought about that i think that's pretty fascinating um and from a, i think that i'm with you on the from a consumer perspective whether or not it will catch on i still am i, I think for gen z it definitely will i think um maybe for the the for some millennials um i also think that at some point though with gen z it's going to become kind of expected to be complementary to the digital experience mm -hmm. um so i think that they're going to with whatever digital experience you're offering them there's going to be something or physical even there's going to be something that comes that goes along with it that's vr related um and I think that's just going to be start becoming an assumption, not, you know, you know, in the next five years, um, not necessarily right now. Um, but I think that's something that marketers really need to start thinking about. Um, but obviously it's an expensive investment uh, and you really need to do it right. So it'll I be think, interesting to watch. I think 360 degree video, though, like you see on Facebook, has yeah. still has a lot of room to really take off from a marketing perspective. Because it's so much more accessible yeah. than virtual reality is. Right. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Yeah, and one other thing about virtual reality, I think it, it will play well uh, in the travel industry, um, you know, yeah. for people who are trying to, you know, compare, you know, what country to go to or, you know, where their next trip should trip could be um so it's kind of like you know reading reviews you do you do all these things to to compare what you're what your, great point yeah, yeah. But then, and then you can jump into the virtual reality whether you're going you know into um you know, to travel uh agent store yeah. and seeing and yeah. you can actually put it on and see and put actually sitting in the driver's seat of you know hmm. going up the eiffel tower in france for example um <laughs> experience the different airbnb houses before you go yeah exactly yeah <laughs> see the dirty laundry to your left awesome yeah i don't want to see that um but yeah i think there's also a store i'm not sure where it is but I, um, somebody was telling me this um that they have it's a they don't have any inventory in-house and it's all virtual reality so you can kind of um shop through an online catalog you know whether it's on a tablet or a computer that they have there, um, and then put on the you know virtual reality and you know have the outfit on your body, looking in like a virtual reality type um, closet, you know, almost like a, wow. a wardrobe, like a mirror, to see how it would look on you without the you know the retailers having to you know pay all that money up front to stock their stores. Um, so it's a win-win for both parties where they're not Except putting then you have to walk away and you don't get it till like two days I later. I said the same sad. thing, yes. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I would never go in a store hoping to buy something knowing that yeah. I couldn't take it home with me that day. Yeah. I wear oh. it that night, let's be serious. Exactly. <laughs> I, yeah. Instant think, gratification. Yeah. Yes. I think we're only going to see more tools like this come out. I think the problem is, though, if marketers jump jump on this, the latest tool and they're terrible at telling stories, millennials are gone. We're out. Like, you, some of the videos on YouTube that have the highest view counts, I mean, the, the quality is terrible, but the story is great. Yep. And I don't, story, have, uh, I don't care if you have the greatest the writing in the world. If your story stinks, I'm going to go somewhere else. So mm -hmm. as long as they're pairing great yeah, storytelling with the tools, 
then the sky's not even the limit anymore. You can go beyond that to what people can do. Exactly. And an act, and and the key, right, is at the end of the day having a great product design. So it's great your virtuality is good and your story is good, but what's the actual product at the end? And is it? Yeah. Is it going to help me? Yeah. Yep. Totally. Awesome. All right. Well, I think that's it for us, guys. And I want to thank you both so much for joining today. This is a great conversation. And hopefully we can um, find another topic in the future to get us all back on the phone. Gen Z, we'll do it. Yes. Sounds good. (laughs) All right. Sam West, you're welcome. Have a great day. Thanks. You too. All right. Bye, guys. You too. Bye.